live to take from Seattle, Washington. It's the Society Show starring Christian Patterson. Christian Patterson. Christian Patterson. Christian Patterson. Christian Patterson. Christian Patterson. And featuring guest John Carroll. And now, live to take. It's the Society Show. My name is Christian. This is the Society Show. Today I am joined by John Carroll, also known as Pizza Boyfriend. John, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Pressure Cooker. Hi, Christian. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so thank you for being on. Um, so Later in the episode, we will spend a lot of time talking about uh, controversies on SNL, and I'm excited about that. But first... But first, but first, but first, but first, but first, but first. I do want to ask you, do you know anything about bodybuilders? Holler! If you hear me! Uh, not really. Uh, kind of surface level, I think they're funny uh it's a weird culture of a weird people and they're big buff and they love getting tan that's all i know well okay that's it that's a good start um do you know anything about fictional american presidents maybe fictional american presidents i know i would i could name a few I could, I'd say. Yeah, I, I'm confident in that. I'll name a name, and you will guess uh, rather they're a, an American bodybuilder or a fictional American president. Does that sound good? Christian, I will get these all right. That sounds great. <laughs> okay, perfect. So number one. Robert Diaz. Is that a bodybuilder or a fictional president? Robert Diaz is a fictional president. That is correct. He uh, was the president on the NBC crime thriller The Blacklist, portrayed by Benito Martinez. Benito Martinez in The Blacklist. Never saw that, but have you watched it? No, in fact, I was kind of surprised to learn that it was still on. It's been renewed for like its ninth season. What? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, <laughs> the last time it came up, it, at least to my knowledge, was how they were filming during COVID and they had to like animate part of a scene. Do you remember that going around? It looked really bad. I, I couldn't believe they put that on television, on NBC, <laughs> at 8 p.m. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. The staying powder, power of James Spader. I, I know, for real, <laughs> actually. Number two, 
Nadja Daviar. Nadja Daviar, yeah. Is that a bodybuilder or a fictional president? Who Nadja Daviar. That sounds that sounds like a bodybuilder. I gotta go with bodybuilder. That is incorrect. Oh Dang, is, on the second one. <laughs> that is one of the presidents in the Shadowrun role-playing game. Shadowrun. Okay, no, I never would have gotten that. Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a sci-fi uh, uh, blind spot for me, I guess. Yeah, and actually when I was researching this, I found there's probably like a dozen uh, fictional presidents in the Shadowrun universe. And it seems like from what I was reading that it all started uh, in an alternate reality where Michael Dukakis won the presidential election. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, the, the Dukakis line prevails. That's how it should have went. <laughs> um, no. Number three, Branch Warren. Branch Warren, that's a bodybuilder. That's because it's it's got that like irony of being you know a big guy named Branch. <laughs> yes, that is correct. He goes by the name Quadrosaurus Pex. <laughs> it's a, it's it's just slightly different than Branch. I'd say <laughs> just yes. a little different. <laughs> He, he, he went for subtlety with that one, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Number four, Kevin Levrone. Kevin Levrone. Levrone. President Levrone. I, I, that doesn't sound right. I, I'm going to say bodybuilder. That is correct. He is a bodybuilder known as the Maryland Muscle Machine. The Maryland Muscle Machine. That, uh, wow, that could also be a car. That could also be. Uh, that could either be a bodybuilder or a car. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or like the name of an old muscle car race. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. like a car show. <laughs> the Maryland Muscle Bonanza. <laughs> yep. Um, number five, Robert Fogarty. Robert Fogarty, oh my gosh, that has that's got to be a president. I don't know what that's got to be a show, right? That is correct. It is a fictional president. It was the president in National Lampoon Goes to the Movies, portrayed by Fred Willard. <laughs> wow, deep cut. That's a good one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've actually never seen that movie either. Me neither. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah. I wonder how good it is. Yeah, it's probably all right. With those old Lampoon movies. You know, so some hold up better than others. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you're doing pretty good. That was five. You're at four out of five. Right on. Cool, cool. Number six, Rich Gaspari. Rich Gaspari. Oh, um, Rich Gaspari. I feel like I've heard that name as a bodybuilder before, so I'm going to say bodybuilder. That is correct. His nickname is Rich the Itch. Rich the Itch. (laughs) I I assume a bully gave that to him. (laughs) Yeah. The local gym bully. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Number seven, Stan Efferding. Stan Efferding. President Efferding. I'm going to go with that. That is incorrect. He is a bodybuilder. Stan I really the man Efferding? for him, though. Oh. <laughs> why why, why <laughs> you be a bodybuilder if you're not going to have a nickname? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that is... Five out of seven. There's one more. There's eight questions. Number eight, Nathan Petrelli. Nathan Petrelli. Petrelli. President Petrelli. The alliteration. I'm just going to go because of the alliteration. That is correct. Um, so the, and that one's, it's from the show Heroes and when in like flash forward segments, he is portrayed as the president. So, um, I never watched Heroes though either. I, I, I watched, I think the first season when it came out was, do you know if he was the Senator guy? I believe so. Let me look into more details about him. Um, President Petrelli. That's he was nice portrayed by Adrian Pastar. Um, yeah, he's a lawyer turned senator. Oh, that's right. This guy. He, I, I feel like I've seen him in a billion different things. And then also Heroes. The big thing, Heroes. Yeah, I watched the first season of Heroes as well. I mean, I don't remember a single detail because I just remember... I mean, I was in middle school and I was just like bored by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a fair that's a that's a that's a good reaction to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I know that it was NBC's attempt to do a loss and I just it seems like they didn't succeed in that. Oh yeah, just the the secret sucked and then it just fell flat second season. Didn't have the staying power, the steam that lost had. It was just it's disappointing. And then they tried to reboot it and that sucked. And that's saying a lot because after Lost first two seasons, it does get kind of shaky and inconsistent. I mean, it's still a lot stronger than a lot of shows of that caliber, but uh, it does get weaker. Hmm, okay. See, I never finished Lost, so I'll, 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 maybe I just won't even finish it if it just if it's weak. Do you think it's worth finishing? I think so. The way I would describe it is so after the first two seasons, people say it falls off in quality, but I actually think the fifth and sixth season are pretty strong. They get a little more like heady, but um, mm. it's more the middle two seasons, three and four, where I feel like they don't really know where they're going. Okay. Yeah. Like spinning the wheels. Is that, is that like the, the smoke monster? Is that then when that was? Was that the earlier? smoke monster, well, he becomes more prevalent at the very end. In the middle season, it becomes a lot more like uh, almost like an action movie. Like they bring in some like private military people looking for the island and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of it, it, yeah, the smoke is at the end. Um, they kind of drop that in the middle, actually. Oh, okay. Well... I'm glad to see it paid off in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, like I said at the top of the show, we will be talking about Saturday Night Live controversies. But before that, you know, right now, or I mean, I guess it was like 
E3 was last week, and I guess, you know, this is a time when people talk about games a lot. So what games are you playing? I recently started playing Resident Evil Village. Uh, that has been a very fun time. I'm enjoying that thoroughly. I've I haven't gotten past the lady Lady Demetrescu, but I am currently uh, playing this on YouTube right now. YouTube.com. Uh, my name is Pizza Boyfriend on there, but you can watch me play it there. And I'm just having a fun time with it. I think it's a great game. But other than that, I'm also playing Apex Legends, and that's fun. Yeah, maybe I should check that out because I've never, or I mean your YouTube videos, because I've never really ha uh, had staying power with scary games. Like, I'm mm. always intrigued by them at first, but then I just get too tense, I guess, and I've never really gotten into a Resident Evil game. And, and there's a lot of jump scares in this one, too, so... It's and it's pretty freaky too. I I, I I kind of I was that way for a while, like a little you know trepidatious. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly. I'm an idiot uh, when it comes to horror games because of that. But I, I feel like recently I've been wanting to experience that a lot more and see these kind of games. And I've <laughs> bit my knuckle it, plenty, plenty in it. I, I think it's worth it because horror games are very interesting and bring a unique experience. Yeah, I just, like, I always have flashbacks to, like, I borrowed Doom 3 from one of my friends when I was in, like, 8th grade. And just, like, being so scared that I literally, like, throw the controller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that I game was you. scarier than any of the other Dooms. Like, it tried to be a horror game. Oh, yeah, they put you in the pitch black with just a flashlight, and you couldn't even use the flashlight with a gun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I guess for me, I have actually, I've touched on this in the past couple episodes, but uh, I have been playing Classic WoW again. They just released the Burning Crusade as an expansion, which was came out in 2007 and hasn't been playable in its original form since like 2010, I think. So yeah, I've been playing that. Nice. Okay. Hey, were you, like, addicted to WoW, would you say? I, w I honestly was addicted to WoW back in the day, but it's funny, because I was still, like, super casual. Like, I never did any raiding, but I would still just play all the time and feel compelled to play. Now, I can play, like, maybe a three-hour setting, and then I get bored, like... I can't really play the way that you have to play to be good at it. Oh, yeah, like really grinding. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I'm already, you know, I'm, like, level 65, and I might, when I reach 70, I'll probably do little things at the max level, but then I'll probably move on. Like, I, I just can't keep up with the constant content they push out. Oh yeah, and you really have to dedicate yourself. It's, it, when they, it's it's. I feel like that is a thing you can do when you're younger, early twenties, teens. Like when you're 
I feel you could just waste all the time you want on MMOs, computer games. But yeah, now I, I'm f- facing that same thing. I can't go for more than a few hours without like getting bored. Yeah, and I think in the grand scheme of things, that's a good thing, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, and I mean, in general, I usually like pretty laid-back games. Like, the main game I go back to is Civ Six, and I'll just play the same save game for, like, three weeks, because, you know, the games last forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never really played Civ, but that's that's cool. I, I recommend it. I mean, they are soon to be releasing Civ Six uh, with all of the expansions and all of that included. I mean, I paid for all of them separately, so it's bound to be a much cheaper price. Oh, yeah, I'll have to pick that up. That sounds really great. Go play a video game. Yeah, and uh, so do you want to talk about these uh, SNL controversies now? I would love to. I love it. Yeah, so there's plenty of stuff we could have talked about. I selected eight of them uh, that cover a wide range of different stuff. Like, I'm going to, we can talk about a plagiarism incident towards the end. And um, But I guess let's get to it. When I think about SNL controversies, the one that always comes to my mind first is uh, Ashley Simpson. What about you? Absolutely. That Ashley Simpson performance, that was talked about for weeks, and that had very, I, I, I wouldn't call them big consequences, but big consequences for her, at least. Yeah, to this day, you know, I was looking for clips to watch while I uh, looked into the, making this episode, and when you YouTube search Ashley Simpson, all the suggestions are still, like, SNL-related. I mean, maybe not all of them, but all of the top ones are. So it's wow. definitely the sole marker of her career. <laughs> That's going to be on our gravestone. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so for the people at home, if you don't know, she was singing her song, Pieces of Me, um, and she sang that as the first song. And then how on SNL, they'll have two different musical performances with the second performance started. And, we, you know, the band was started playing the second song, but the vocal track starts four pieces of me. It starts playing again before she has the microphone to her mouth. Once again, Ashley Simpson. On a Monday, I'm waiting. Tuesday, I'm And so it becomes really apparent that she was lip syncing for the first song and presumably was also going to lip sync for the second song. Yes. And then. The best part is she does a jig on stage, does a little a shimmy, wa- walks off. They cut to commercial. 
it's it's great. I, I, I'm not sure if I watched this live, but it was just so... Actually, no, I think I did watch it live. It was just so amazing just seeing that and just cutting to commercial. Until the very end, the last segment when... Um, what they usually do on SNL, for those who don't know, they end with the guest, the musical guest, and everyone else on stage saying goodbye, whatever... Ashley Simpson had the nerve to blame it on the band. <laughs> she was yes. like, "Oh, my! The band started late, and then the, I my tra- oh, and and then when I got all messed up and I did a jig, she tried to like play it off all cutesy, but then it was just like, even then, it was like blaming the band was a little much at the end, right there." Yeah, I really do want to emphasize the jig part because there's really no other way to describe the way she was dancing. It was like definitely a jig. Uh, It's a country jig. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And yeah, it is funny though. I do like how the band so... When you you know piece it out, basically they start playing the second song, then the vocal track for "Pieces of Me" starts. Then she starts doing the jig. The vocal track fades away, and then the band just keeps playing "Pieces of Me" as if nothing happened. So it goes to commercial with them playing the instrumental version of the song, basically. It's it's a good testament to how good the band was that they started playing the other song and then vocal track comes in and they just boom pick it right up right there. You know, you mentioned how at the end of the show she blamed the band and eventually when this excuse became clearly not viable, she turned to eventually use the excuse that it she was using a vocal track because of her acid reflux. Yeah, which was, I I feel, was total, total BS. I mean, I guess I do believe that she probably has acid reflux, but I don't really believe that, uh, that just makes me think that she always uses a vocal track because acid reflux is like a long-lasting problem, you know? Yeah, it's it's not just, I had a, a, I had a touch of, I had a, I had a, a brush of acid reflux this morning but i'm good i can sing yeah no it's it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like uh i was out of tums but my assistant wasn't able to get more today (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no this is something she's been she's been she's gotta be doing vocal tracks all those all those like pop pop artists like in those early 2000s i feel like that was just kind of the mo you kind of had to do it back then yeah, for sure. It was very common. So for this next incident, I feel like this is a, a a little bit of a smaller one, but I do want to focus on it because of what happens to a staff member called Nora Dunn, one of the cast members. But basically, Andrew Dice Clay was scheduled to host SNL in 1990 of May, and Uh, The cast member Nora Dunn boycotted the episode because of his misogynist jokes, and I'm not very familiar with her. I didn't watch SNL uh, from that era, but she's most known to me as the mom from Max Keeble's Big Move, and she's also been like a one-time or two-time guest on like a ton of sitcoms. Um, 
but so the episode Andrew Dice Clay was going to be on was her second to last episode. And the staff all just voted for her not to come back for the last episode of the season after this, which I I mean, I think that's super crappy. But what, what's your opinion on Andrew Dice Clay? I'll start with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that was crappy that they just kind of like voted her out like that. Yeah, <laughs> not even standing with her, just like completely. Um, Andrew Dice Clay, I, 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 I know people who have liked him uh, surface level for his material and not understanding the kind of satire it comes from. I, I as pretentious that is pretentious as that is to say, um, but I mean, I, I, I was never a huge fan, but I get it. And I think it's, I, I understand the edginess and I thought it was, you know, of the time. Yeah, well, it was absolutely of the time. <laughs> like, if you go back and watch, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> he opens with a hard F. It's like, how? <laughs> and then yes. all these, you know, slurs left and right. It's just, yeah, nothing he... Any he can't tell any joke he could have tell, told back then today. What is this happening to me? All this fuss over one show. Never met that nobody. Look at me. I'm acting like a chick. That's it. There's no reason to go on. The dice man is checking out. For sure. And another interesting aspect of this is Sinead O'Connor, who I'll get to in just a moment another infamous guest on SNL. She was actually set to be the musical guest that episode, but boycotted the episode as well. So that's a very, um, very neat cosmic tie on this. Yes. Yeah, it puts a little <laughs> bow on it right there. <laughs> yep. Hey, get out of my face, eh? Can you see I wish I'd never been born? You have your wish, dice man. You've never been born. Oh, yeah? I don't feel no different. Well, you are. And so is the world. Yeah, so Sinead O'Connor, I mean, she her controversy was probably a bigger deal than Ashley Simpson. Even though I think of Ashley Simpson first, hers was like an international outrage, basically. Absolutely, yeah. What Sinead O'Connor did, 100%. Because it, it was when you when you involve the Pope like that, that's you're you're shaking a lot of cages. Yeah, and that was also at least a decade before it was widely publicized how much uh, sexual child abuse there was in the Catholic Church. Oh, that's that's the worst part is she was right about it the whole time, but her career was just ruined because of it. Yeah, so to spell out exactly what happened, she was singing War by Bob Marley. Until the philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war 
And there's kind of like a refrain in the song that's fight racial injustice. And towards the end, she changed that to fight child abuse, which in itself, like, I mean, it makes sense, but it does seem a little weird for like a white lady to be like, no, this song isn't about fighting racial injustice anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally, it's it's literal appropriation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then she holds up a photo of John Paul II, the Pope at the time, while singing the word evil, and then she tears the image into pieces and says, fight the real enemy. We know we will win. We have confidence in the victory of good over... Fight the real enemy. And it's really punctuated by the fact that they did not press the applause sign, so it goes to commercial break and pure silence. Oh yeah, that that was a very interesting detail right there. Just dead silent to break. It, it, they, everyone is pissed off. Yeah, they they didn't do that because they were pissed at her. But I do think it kind of accentuates her message even more without the audience. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad they did that. Yeah. Yeah, so people protested. They had, like, destroying her tapes and CDs similar to the Dixie Chicks. That type of stuff was going on. Yeah, that was nuts. It was... It was... I don't know how to put this. It was, um... It was controversial. Yeah, and SNL has never allowed her back on, and... NBC has only, as far as I know, played that whole segment from when Sinead O'Connor went on Rachel Maddow, and they played it, but they still will never play it on like a SNL compilation or something. Oh yeah, never. They yeah, they won't acknowledge that in their history. Yeah, but shortly after, like within the time following it, the few weeks following it, Madonna and Joe Pesci were both guest hosts and they both like denounced Sinead O'Connor. They're both Catholics. And then um, SNL did a few segments mocking Sinead O'Connor. But yeah, then after that, they never really acknowledged it again. Yeah, it's very... It's very like SNL to have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> yes. They will do that. That's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. But I think that she very unjustly got all the shit for this when really it was all going on for that many years. And then, and then like her fellow musicians just denouncing her, shitting on her. I thought that was awful too. And then now she is, she is, she's where she is, and you know, it is, it is what it is. As musical guests that same evening, Madonna had a little fun at Sinead O'Connor's expense. Two months earlier, Sinead O'Connor had ripped up a photo of the Pope on the show. Madonna set her sights a little lower, taking on Long Island's infamous Joey Badafuco. So then, the next incident I looked into is. Um, 
when Rage Against the Machine was performed on SNL. Uh, do you know a lot about this? Yes, I do. Yes, this one's pretty great. Yeah, and I mean, this one isn't as like flashy as some of the others because it, a lot of it happened back scene, but er, I shouldn't say back scene, backstage. Um, vaccine. <laughs> yeah, vaccine. <laughs> Um, they were performing on the same day as the heir to the Forbes fortune and presidential candidate Steve Forbes. So this was in 1996 or leading up to the 96 election. And I just want to say when I was looking into this, I saw Steve Forbes's 96 campaign logo and it was the worst thing I've ever seen. It, it was like... Cheap, uh, like clip art that was worse than just your average like PowerPoint clip art. Wow, it, I guess they just didn't have. Wow, they really put that <laughs> shit in three D, huh? They <laughs> yeah. just they just got Word ninety five, and they were like, "Okay, Steve Forbes, you're going to be winning this presidential election. You got that, Clinton bastard." Yeah, they're like, "the the internet's the future. We got to make it look real techy." <laughs> yeah, this is gonna this is gonna say how 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 advanced Steve Forbes is. <laughs> grandson yeah. of of founder of Forbes magazine. Yeah, so to juxtapose themselves against Steve Forbes, Rage Against the Machine put two upside down flags on their amps. The evil doings of the United States. Death to America. And seconds before they were going to perform, stage hands removed the flags. Um, and they were kicked out like immediately after they performed and allegedly the bassist like went into Steve Forbes dressing room and threw tore up the flag and threw pieces around. I don't know if that part's true, but <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little it sounds a little romanticized, but I, I, I like to imagine <laughs> yeah. it to be true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Do you have any more thoughts on that? I feel like it really speaks for itself. It's pretty straightforward. It, it, I, I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good lesson of saying, hey, SNL does these things. They've been doing these things for a long time where they're, they're not going to... You may think they're liberal. All these people will think they're liberal, but they're, they're still going to have uh, you know, rich dudes. They're still going to have Republicans hosting the show. They're still going to give them a platform. They've been doing it for years, and and obviously it sucks because nobody talks about the episode. Nobody even remembers that Steve Forbes was the host. Hell, nobody even. Uh -huh. uh, yes, how many people remember he ran for fucking president? Yeah, twice. Twice in '96 and 2000. Wow. He was basically a single-issue candidate too. The only thing he really talked about was a flat tax. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that really uh, riles up the base. A flat tax platform. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, in another political story, this one is, you know, kind of on the smaller scale, but... Even though I love Wayne's World and I don't like the Clintons, I do have to say uh, this is a distasteful joke. So I'll, I'll just read the joke and we can get into uh, what we think about it. But it's a Wayne's World segment. 
Wayne, you know, played by Mike Myers, says, Adolescence has been thus far unkind to Chelsea Clinton. And then Garth, played by Dana Carvey, said, She could turn into a babe in waiting. Keep in mind, this was when she was 12. Ugh. And, (laughs) yeah, Hillary Clinton um, was pretty publicly upset about that. And they edited that joke out of any future airings. Number three, the Gore Daughters. (laughs) Sweet! talent in the White House. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's like an episode of Petticoat Junction now. Petticoat Junction. At this moment, SNL edited out number two, which was the joke about Chelsea. They skipped from three to one, and used fake clapping to cover the gap. Okay, the number one thing we love about Bill Clinton is... Live from New York, it's Saturday night! So, what do you think about this? Um, I really don't think they should have told that joke. Um, I'm glad they edited it out. Um, it's... Although, yes, I also hate the Clintons. It's very weird to call a 12-year-old that. Yeah, it's, it's not a great joke, especially at the time, like, how much the kind of right-wing radio and media sphere was constantly scrutinizing chelsea clinton as well oh yeah they were just so cruel it was it's so cruel uh, snl does have a good way of being a part of that cruelty of that I don't want to call it a mob because everyone's saying the word mob these days, but, you know, every late night show saying the same mean jokes to, like, you know, even though there's, it's a person in power, you know, it's still a kid. Yeah, they go after very low-hanging fruit, and a lot of that fruit ages really poorly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially when the <laughs> language they use is uncouth. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think in general, it reminds me of like, did you see that how uh, recently Chrissy Teigen or Tigan was being canceled uh, after, you know, I mean, she's been canceled for several things, but uh, being canceled for just being extremely cruel to Courtney Stodden. Uh, do you remember Courtney Stodden? Yes. Uh, Courtney Stodden horribly in a horrible abusive relationship like parents and you know that the guy that she was quote-unquote married to just horrible and then on top of this famous model slash television personality Chrissy Teigen going on Twitter and just constantly bullying you It kind of reminds me of this because at the time, you know, everyone in the media sphere was piling on Courtney Stodden particularly, even though she was clearly not the person in power or control of that situation. And I, I think it was just like, you know, sometimes there's really easy famous people to pick on when they're actually like the most vulnerable within the famous people. Absolutely. Dude, Amanda Bynes, ever like, sure, you know, I, I understand how people like aesthetically, you know, seeing what she did, you know, they were upset about. She was so vulnerable from her, you know, 
I don't I don't even want to know how like what kind of abuse they do on Nickelodeon. But having that like psychological break in the spotlight, it's it's very horrible to see. To just it is it it it, it absolutely is the most vulnerable like quote unquote famous people. Those are the people who get the most shit, and then so forth. You know, have the worst of it. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk about when SNL fired Norm McDonald because I would actually compare this to like a mini version, a mini earlier version of when Jay Leno and NBC executives forced out Conan O'Brien because mm. Norm McDonald was, you know, say what you will about his politics. He's kind of a bad dude in some ways, but he probably was honestly the best host of the weekend update. Yes. Hands down. He's hilarious. All of his jokes were funny and he was, he was like made for the format pretty much of that joke telling. Yeah, for sure. And so I'll go into what allegedly caused his firing, but then we can get into what a lot of people believe actually caused his firing. So it was a April 12th, 1997 weekend update. He's making a joke and he like briefly coughs on something like it seems like something's in his throat and kind of pauses and then he mutters, what the fuck was that? Last weekend in Washington, a new museum dedicated to broadcast jerk. Bah! What the fuck was that? <laughs> Last weekend in Washington, a new museum. Then the audience applauds. Uh, they, you know, they're happy to hear some swearing. And throughout the segment, he says a couple things like, "This is my farewell performance," and he closes the the segment by saying, "Maybe we'll see you next week," uh, implying that he's fully aware that this would probably create blowback. Um, after that happened, Norm was allowed in the sketches. But he generally, as far as I know, didn't really like the sketches. He was really there to do Weekend Update, and he was taken off of that. So before I get into what he believes is the real cause, what do you think about that? Um, I I feel like they wouldn't fire him over just saying fuck on television, especially when so many others weren't fired over that, too, I feel yeah, and I also think it kind of set a weird precedent where they feel obligated to be really punitive when people swear now, because remember more recently, Jenny Slate was a cast member. It was her like first year on the show, I believe, and she was playing a character who kept saying frickin', and she accidentally said fuck, and... Oh. Uh, she she was taken, uh, you know, greatly scaled back, not as in, in many sketches, and was not asked to be back. So uh, I think they are getting more and more strict on that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Wow. And, and that's crazy because Jenny Slate, hilarious, and especially at that time, she was doing so many cool stuff, 
like on YouTube and then she was like on a bunch of different shows too. So that's, I could totally seeing it be for swearing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird. Cause she was totally on an upward trajectory, but so what norm and a lot of people think is actually the cause for his firing is that, uh, he was making jokes calling O.J. Simpson a murderer both before and after the verdict. And the NBC Entertainment president, Don Olmeyer, was personal friends with O.J. And he actually threw a party for the jurors uh, when they acquitted O.J. So the anti-O.J. jokes were mostly written by Norm himself, as well as SNL writer Jim Downey, who was fired at the same time. That's really something. See, I heard it was Don Olmeyer, but I didn't know that he was friends with O.J. I didn't know that he threw a party for the jurors either. That's nuts. <laughs> I know, right? How would he even know who the jurors are? I thought that was supposed to be like super classified. Same here, honestly. Oh, that that reminds me of another juror uh, prize thing. I remember when Michael Jackson was acquitted in I think like 2003 or 2004 or whenever, all of his jurors received like custom bracelets. I, for some reason, I'll always remember that. Bizarre. (laughs) Maybe, maybe they just can find that out. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you're friends with the lawyers, you could probably figure it out. But. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I could. I this totally makes sense. Norm being fired for like anti OJ jokes because, really, I mean, you can even go on YouTube and look at a compilation. Like he made so many OJ jokes, and granted, they're hilarious, hilarious. Norm McDonald is so funny, but. Yeah, um, he told a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and that I, I do feel like that is a pretty crappy incident. Like, because, you know, Norm was... That was a time when, like, uh, Chris Farley died around the same time. And that was a time when SNL was changing. And I feel like if they kept Norm McDonald around, they would have a... a a funnier foundation for when they went into the 2000s. But who knows if Norm would even want to stick around that long. (laughs) Yeah, if Norm wanted to stick around laughing in the background of a sketch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which was, was, I feel like, in every single sketch from 2000 (laughs) to 2003. (laughs) Yeah. My farewell performance. Last weekend... So I have two more, and I, for the most part, I've gone forward chronologically, so we're getting more into recent times now. Um, there was a sketch in 2017 when Louis C.K. was hosting where he hires a clown, played by Bobby Moynihan, to perform at a birthday party where Louis C.K. is the only one there. And after it aired, you know, people instantly recognized it as having the same plot points, same general tone. It's a little different, but uh, and even a couple specific jokes that are basically from a short film that Tignataro made clown called Clown Service. Have you seen either the sketch or the short film or both? Yes. At the time, I did see both of them, and they were like 
one in one. I mean, not like a shot for shot, but like pretty much right there, which is which is funny considering what we know with Louis C.K.'s involvement with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because in you know, if you didn't know for the audience, Louis C.K. and Tig Notaro used to work together pretty consistently. Like I remember Louis C.K. Uh, release one of her stand-ups on like his website or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But. Oh yes, I think he. I think he did that. Yeah, um, so they did have some like professional connections, and so I will say the skit it is only about three minutes long. The short film's about fifteen minutes long, but almost everything that's in the skit is more or less in the short film as well, including like a lot of shots filmed from like the same angles and everything like that. Oh yeah, that's nuts. It's it's it it really makes you think like was it did Louis like I feel maybe not Louis himself plagiarized it I don't want to defend him believe me but I don't know maybe it's kind of it's crazy that it was that close and they still ran it. Yeah, Tignic Taro actually released a statement that uh, on the matter that doesn't really. implicate louis ck as much as some other people she said to ew.com that she quote recently learned that a writer director who was fully aware of clown service when i was making it actually worked on louis ck's clown sketch that is in question so she does seem to think that someone on the writing staff knowingly plagiarized but it was not louis ck oh okay but she does also in the same uh, statement make clear that she had not communicated with Louis C.K. on anything for about a year and a half before that. So uh, I think she also wants to make it clear like, yeah, we don't have any professional involvement anymore. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It clearly severing ties with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we're, I wasn't involved with this. By the way, this guy. He was involved with this. Also worked on Louis C.K. Sech. By the way, not my problem. Goodbye. I'm Technic Kotaro. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably it, all things considered from the 2021 perspective. Uh, I think it was definitely a good idea to distance yourself from Louis C.K. as early as you could. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Tig Notaro, she did this to, you know, she separated things with Louis C.K. And then she went on to replace Chris D'Elia in, uh, what is that? The Undead, what's the Zack Snyder zombie movie? Oh, Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead, yeah. Apparently they just totally green screened her in for everything. Everything, Chris D'Elia was originally going to be in the movie, but apparently they just (laughs) green screened her for everything. That's funny. I'm curious about that movie. Have you seen it? Still haven't seen it. I, I just I can't bring myself to watch a blockbuster sitting down on my couch like that. I have to watch <laughs> it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't even know she was in that, but I was still kind of curious about that movie. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Dawn of the Dead, and it's it seems like a dumb, stupid good time. So... I don't know. So where's the uh, the birthday boy, little Ernie, right? That's uh, me. Come again? Uh, I'm Ernest. It's my birthday. 
So, do you want to, so should we wait for everyone else to show up, or? No, it's just me. It's whenever you're ready. I wanted to talk about the Pete Davidson joke about Dan Crenshaw in November 2018. And before I get into the details about it, I just want to make clear to the audience that what Pete Davidson actually said is not actually mean at all. I remember there was so much outrage about it that I thought he like said some like really disgusting thing with his like eye eye patch or something, but uh no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he gave him a compliment. Maybe not a compliment, but it, it, it's not even that biting at all. Yeah, it's not it, it's biting. Very... It's not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so during the 2018 midterms, he said that Dan Crenshaw looked like a, quote, hitman in a porno movie. I don't really see the outrage about that at all. Yeah, like, what is, what's offensive by that, about that? It's, it's, it's a, sure, it's, I mean, I guess a little blue you know porno but (laughs) yeah (laughs) come on it's like it's not making fun of him it's not really making fun of him for the way he looks i think the only way is like if you kind of take a few leaps like oh a stereotype of a hitman might have an eye patch or like something like that i don't even know yeah something yeah yeah it's it's maybe like a pirate in a porno movie Something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so what ended up happening, which is just one of the most cowardly things that any TV show may have done, is they invited Dan Crenshaw onto the show in the next episode, (sighs) and Pete Davidson apologized to him embarrassing so embarrassing it's it's like it's like it's like when you say fuck off to this like bully kid on the neighborhood and then your mom makes you apologize to him fuck that i hated that so much (laughs) yeah and the really interesting thing about that although not necessarily surprising is uh Pete Davidson recently came out with a stand-up special. I don't know how recent, but within the last year, I think. Yes. And he he basically says that he takes back the apology and insinuates that he really only apologized because he was compelled to do so and didn't really mean it. But at the same time, it's like, how could he mean it? Because it's not like he wrote the material. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of more intentionality between reading it and and writing it right there. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I, at least I'm glad he said that. But it's also like, well, you also did apologize on live TV, so that really overrides <laughs> whatever you could say after the fact. Yeah, because that's that's archived forever, and then. It's funny because later Dan Crenshaw, he responded to the special in the most bullshit, like stupid. I hate every every Republican who talks like this, but uh, he was like, "Oh, he's obsessed with me. He he's obsessed with me," which is bullshit. It's just he- <laughs> you were you were he made you famous, and now he feels bad for making you famous. 
I don't even. I really don't like Pete Davidson, honestly. Yeah, I mean, but I'm still obviously on his side in this one, um, without a doubt. I've noticed that's a trend with a lot of SNL controversies: is they put you on the side of people you don't normally like. Yes, yeah, that's a good point. Except for uh, uh, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Forbes. I'm completely (laughs) Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes. I will say, hey. Next time you complain about Rage Against the Machine being on the show as you, you better you better watch your Forb. I'll tell you that much. He probably comes out looking worse because most people don't remember he exists. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> I think that's the worst look of all. Forgotten legacy when you're that when you're that much of a I don't know a, a big rich guy. <laughs> yes. And so, I, I mean, I think this has been a pretty good episode. We got through a lot of stuff, but uh, can you think of any more SNL controversies? There's a ton I did not touch on. Not that I, uh, honestly, I looked through a lot of the controversies and then like the the ones that you picked are, were like perfect. Before we go, I am curious, how much do you watch SNL? Because I probably haven't seen more than like half a sketch or maybe a full sketch here or there, but in about five to ten years, maybe. What about you? (laughs) Oh, I have. I feel like every couple of years I have to check in. I'd say every few years I check and say, hey, what's what are they doing now? Who's the cast? But. I can never watch more than an episode of these new ones. There's just too, they just, they suck. There's, I, I don't want to say, but they, uh, they just suck. Now that I think about it, at some time during uh, quarantine, sometime last year, I did watch an episode, just like a newer episode on Hulu, and it kind of washed over me so much that I didn't remember I watched it until now. So I take that with what you will. That is, that's the most damning thing you can say, because Saturday Night Live is full of these memorable sketches, these characters, these these musical performances like there's so uh, i find myself like saying stupid like i don't know like quotes like a will like a stupid will ferrell quote from like the the dr poop sketch like (laughs) yes the fact that it's just kind of deflated to this bland comedy it's it's very defeating and even though it is 46 years old i feel like it could have kept going in a fresh direction but no not 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 this way definitely not this way yeah i think at some point they really made a decision to just make it like uh basically a weekly news recap that's acted out and might include some jokes but uh it really is all stuff that is not particularly funny at the time, but clearly will age really terribly. Oh, yes. Absolutely. The the worst of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, do you have anything you want to say or plug at the end? Uh, you, if you want to watch my YouTube, it's uh, Pizza Boyfriend um, on Twitter... John Carroll with no vowels underscore, and that, I think that's it, Christian. I really this is this is a fun episode. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, you definitely should come back again. I'll be in touch about that if you'd like. Um, I would love to. Okay, perfect. So for the audience, you can follow the show on Twitter at society underscore show. You can follow me personally at Christian is cool. Is is spelled I-Z, Christian I-Z cool. You can also uh, write into the show if you'd like society show podcast at gmail.com. And we're accepting voicemails. You can just call the number 971-238-4138 and I will play your voicemail on the show. John, thanks again. Thank you, Christian. Hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. (laughs) That's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. You know what I heard when I first met you? What are you doing? That's an ambulance coming to take me away because the sight of you stopped my heart. Very well, where do I begin? My father was a relentlessly self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery. My mother was a 15-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with webbed feet. My father would womanize, he would drink, he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy, the sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. My childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon, luge lessons. In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. When I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. 